You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ear holes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, back after an off day on Monday, taken in solidarity with the team. Not really. Um, in reality, my partner was sick, and I stayed home and took care of her and you know, did all the good things a partner does. And yeah, just could not leave her side for that. So decided to record the podcast day. May look at doing another double up episode later in the week or potentially on Saturday just to make sure, you know, y'all get a solid five episodes of content a week. But we still have plenty of things to talk about on today's podcast, mostly involving that Cleveland baseball team. Going to talk about uh, the performances that the Blue Jays got in earning a 2-2 split with the AL Central leaders, which... Man, if Toronto was in the AL Central, how different would things be this year? Uh, wouldn't have to face Boston or New York or Tampa, which why do I have to say that about Tampa? I don't know. We're going to talk about some of the performances, especially with the youngsters, because that's what we're focusing on for the latter half of the season, the youngsters. We're going to talk about the pitching performances that Toronto got from its starters later on, and... We're also going to talk about, again, who's going to make up that 2019 bullpen. What arms are going to be sticking around and really putting a stamp on things. But let's focus with the big story, continuing to be the big story for the past week or so of Blue Jays baseball. And that is first baseman Rowdy Telez. Everybody still getting rowdy. Had a continued a good performance in this Cleveland series, his first big league home run on Saturday in the comeback attempt for the Blue Jays, which which even that, even the Blue Jays comeback attempt, I wasn't upset with the performance there. I I thought it was actually good in a loss. I, I was happy to see it. But Telez came back to earth with an 0-4 performance on Sunday against Mike Clevenger and the rest of that Cleveland team. Which, you know, it was going to happen. He was not going to continue to hit 500 for his career. But this whole whole week has done a lot to remind people of why they fell in love with Rowdy Telez in 2016. And I've seen some outlets be like, oh, nobody knew where Rowdy Telez came from. I think Buck Martinez is like, Blue Jays fans don't, don't know a lot about Rowdy Telez and where he came from. But, like, no, this, this is a pretty powerful story and it's one that fans have gotten to take in during Rowdy's time with the big league club but now that the shine is kind of off that you wonder what Rowdy Telez's role is going to be moving forward for this team especially next year I think Rowdy's season has put him back in the conversation to man that first base slot for the Blue Jays I think a lot of fans at the start of the season were like can we fit Kevin Biggio at first can we can we try and find a power hitting first baseman free agency I think Rowdy Telez has dispelled that a little bit and kind of put himself back in the conversation there but 
while that may serve him well in 2020, it does raise a question what to do in 2019 with both Justin Smoke and Kendris Morales there. And the the sad part is Justin Smoke and Kendris Morales are arguably two of the better producing veterans on this team. Like Justin Smoke in that Sunday game really put Toronto in, in the driver's seat of that contest with his performance, that two for four performance with his 24th home run off Clevenger in the first inning, just got the Blue Jays off on the right foot and they were able to keep that pressure up. And we'll talk about how they were able to keep that pressure up in a later segment. But Smoke's been the most valuable player on this team this year. If you go by baseball references, war calculations, it's it's not even close. Justin Smoke has a 2.6 war, which is almost a full run ahead of second place Randall Grichuk, which that's for all you Grichuk haters from the early parts of the season. But it, it does make you question what both Smoke and Morales' roles were going to be. They're both good clubhouse presences. They both would fill that veteran slot of guys who could help steward the young team. But if the Blue Jays aren't able to move one of them in the offseason, which Smoke has a friendly contract, but obviously most valuable Blue Jay, and Kendris has a not-so-friendly contract, but he may be increasing his stock with his performance as of late, what do you really do with, with one of them to try and get Rowdy into the lineup? And I think that's a question that the Blue Jays are going to have to consider asking. And it may result in Rowdy Tellez not being with this club next year. It may result in him joining Vlad Jr. in Buffalo to start the season, because, come on, that writing's on the wall. But knowing that Rowdy has the confidence to hit at Major League level could help him at Buffalo. He's been hitting all these doubles at the Major League level, and if he can continue to do that in Buffalo, and, and again, hone his crap. Like, like there are still holes in his swing. Sunday proved that with Clevenger. But if he can take next year to continue honing his crap by the time 2020 rolls around... That would be a very productive bat for the Blue Jays to have, to not put all that pressure on Vlad Guerrero Jr. And it would allow the Blue Jays to be a, a lot more flexible at that point, because then Kendris Morales comes off the books and you don't have to sign him. Tay Oscar can start transitioning to a DH role, and things get a lot clearer for the Blue Jays as opposed to being in this kind of muddled 2019 season where you still have the the contracts of old haunting them, the Russell Martins, the Troy Tulowitzkis still on the books and kind of hamstringing them from really going and, and rebuilding this club. But the performances that Rowdy Tellez has delivered in the past week have offered that clarity, I think, for that position. Because I think a lot of the, the Blue Jays' questions for the future were not coming from the middle infield or or even from the outfield. It was going to come from first base because Ryan Noda's way far off. But, you know, you, you hoped he could be someone who could push himself forward. But with Rowdy Tellez reasserting himself in this MB, MLB appearance, that's a huge weight off the minds of Blue Jays fans. Because, again, with, with all the other outfield position set if Rowdy Telez can continue this momentum go into next year and hit like 300 at Buffalo 310 that would just solidify his candidacy to take over that first base role and at that time he'd be like 25 so he'd be much better position 
than he is right now, you know, just a, a raw 23-year-old kid that, that lefty power bat just rediscovering itself and and getting this confidence back. That's what the Blue Jays need at that position moving forward. So, again, Telez obviously got a lot of the highlights. There, there were some other really good performances, too. Alebmus Diaz in that Saturday game going just off the way he did. It was like four for five with two RBIs. It's a nice performance from him. Worth keeping him around, I guess. Randall Grichuk had another good series before he plowed into a stool. And Randall says he's fine. Probably take a, a couple days off against Boston just as a precaution, which, you know, that's fine. Just make sure you don't injure that knee again because we cannot go back to sub 100% Randall Grichuk. That is not good for anyone. That results in a 150 batting average, as we learned earlier this season. So hopefully Randall gets well. Teoscar can play some outfield. It's not it's not like the games against Boston really matter. But that's that's the way I'm looking at that going forward. And we can start looking at the starting pitching situation and what details could be gleaned from that from the Cleveland series right after this. Okay, so Toronto got good starting pitching in this series, which is a nice change. I mean, again, that's that's been the story of the season, just looking for starters who can deliver something for the Blue Jays. And they didn't get in the opener from Sam Gaviglio, but it was nice to see a couple of good turns for some some embattled rotation members. And I say embattled members, I mean Marco Estrada. Just just Marco Estrada. Marco pitched well on Friday, you know, delivering a quality start, which is, you know, what he needs to do at this point to reestablish his value. I said last week that Estrada was essentially pitching himself off the 2019 roster. If he can have a couple more starts like this on his resume heading into the offseason, uh, he's not scheduled to go against the Red Sox, but he is scheduled to go against the Yankees. So good luck with that. But again, if he can reestablish his kind of value there, like he did against Cleveland, and that you know that's still a good Cleveland team that he took out. It's still Lindor, Ramirez, Encarnacion, Kipnis, just just absolutely looking foolish against him. So he he did very well to hold that Cleveland team the way he did, and. Again, he needs to show that it's going to be able to work in the AL East still, because that's that's been his problem. Like the Yankees have been hitting him, Red Sox have been hitting him, the Rays have been hitting him. Like if he can go back to to finding that success and, and keeping those balls in the stadium, because that that's been his problem this year is those home run balls. He did get touched in his start on Friday. He gave up that home run to Jan Gomes, but you know solo shots you can take those. You, you can take those and, and work with those as long as your offense is going. And there wasn't much offense to be had against Carlos Carrasco to the tune of 14 strikeouts. But the Blue Jays did enough, and Marco did enough to keep them in the game. And that bullpen did well. The bullpen we're going to talk about in the final segment of today's episode. But the bullpen did really well, which was huge for Marco. Because when you have a shaky bullpen behind you, it, it kind of plays into things. 
And then you get to Saturday and Sean Reed Foley comes out and just has an inning from hell. That that seventh run, that seven run fifth inning where just it's, it's just like make it stop. Just just absolutely silly the way it was ro- rolling forward. And and it was compounded a little bit like Reed Foley as a fly ball pitcher. He's had problems with the home run as well. He's very similar to Marco Estrada in that way. But he he compounded it with his control issues, which gave up three walks in that fifth inning, which, again, it just makes it much more difficult to really get away with mistakes. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. But the way he just kept putting runners on, it made the Michael Brantley shot hurt more. And then you had Justin Schaefer come in in a miserable spot and just be completely unable to throw a strike. Like, watching Justin Schaefer pitch in that fifth inning was like watching a six-year-old trying to put together an Ikea bookshelf. Like, it, it was just flailing and and attempting to find things, and it just wasn't working. And the, and the second he got a pitch in the strike zone, Roberto Perez, noted Jay's killer, Roberto Perez, just smacked it and put that game pretty much out of reach at this point. Again, it was a, it was a great comeback by the Blue Jays to actually get to the point where you thought they had a chance to get something together. But just it was too deep a hole. And that's the problem with Sean Reed Foley, that he has those control issues that will flare up. And when you when you walk five batters in, in less than five innings and then give up home runs as well, it's not conductive to success. That's something Reed Foley has to work on as he goes forward if he wants to be a major league starter, is get that control in order, get his strikes across the plate. And, and that way, when he does give up the home runs, it won't hurt as bad. As his rotation mate showed on Sunday, when Thomas Pannone went out there in the Thomas Pannone revenge game for the team that traded him from Cleveland to Toronto in the Joe Smith deal, that was the kind of performance that, you know, is is impressive in in a highly emotional spot. Thomas Pannone went out there and, again, delivered a quality start, which has been the problem for the Blue Jays. If you look heading into Tuesday's games, Toronto is 29th out of 30 teams in quality starts from its starters. They only, they've only only gotten 49 quality starts this year. That's one better than Baltimore. That should not be a, a thing. Baltimore gives up a 280 batting average. And... Toronto's peripherals are so much better, but it's just a lack of ability to get deep in games, to waste pitches, and with unnecessary balls outside trying to get people to chase. Thomas Pannone, on the other hand, attacked the strike zone. He limited the damage when players were able to find his pitches. He gave up two home runs, but they were both solo shots, which Blue Jays fans know solo shots aren't going to do a lot for you if you can't really make them hurt. Justin Smoke made it hurt with a two-run homer. Teoscar Hernandez made it hurt with that three-run shot late that put that game out of reach after he came in for Randall Grichuk, which made that even more impressive. Didn't talk about that in the first segment, but Teoscar Hernandez, good, good shot off the bench there. 
that that bodes well moving forward. But again, what Thomas Pannon was able to go out there and and do was hold his own against an all-star caliber pitcher in Mike Clevenger and go toe-to-toe of him and not blink. And again, just Pannon's maturity on the mound, not letting the moment get to him, not, not wilting in the pressure of facing his former club, facing a, a good solid MLB starter. I know Clevenger hasn't made an all-star team, but he pitches like one. So go out there and, and hold his own. It, it speaks strongly to Pannon's ability to be on this roster next year. Pannon has been working in that kind of swing role where he'll come out for a couple innings of relief and then go into starting as the Blue Jays work through this like six man rotation that, that they've got going on right now. But Pannon's more likely to begin the season with the club than Sean Reed Foley at this point. I think if you're, if you're projecting the starting rotation, I think Sean Reed Foley would go back to Buffalo and get some work in. I'm I'm not sure what they would do with David Polino, but we'll actually talk about David Polino and some of the other arms that appeared in that series right after this. So before the break, I was mentioning uh, Thomas Pannone putting himself in that rotation conversation for next year. And I brought up David Polino because David Polino is a name I thought would be in that conversation this year. But when you look at what the Blue Jays have been doing with him and some of the other arms that they've called up, they've been using them in that kind of one inning role and just kind of seeing what they have, I guess, in them. And, you know, while while may not be the best use of David Polino, considering He's been a starter for most of his career and does seem to have the ability to go out there and do it. Polino's been one of those guys who's been impressing in these short bursts in coming out there, just pitching a solid inning. No muss, no fuss. He pitched two of them against Cleveland and was was effective in both. Ran into a little bit of trouble um, in the Sunday game where Ken Giles had to come in and close it out, but it was a safe situation, apparently, so Ken Giles can do that, no problem. But it does offer some insight into what the Blue Jays could be looking at doing with their bullpen next year. And it gets interesting when you factor in some of the guys they're working through, like Jose Fernandez, who's up as that lefty guy, who, with the emergence of Tim Meza as as a more reliable lefty arm, Fernandez could be in that role of just get one lefty batter out. But again, Meza's been been better this year. Series really stamped himself. Like I'm not going back to Buffalo. Taylor Gurrieri, who was a mystery for most of the season for Blue Jays fans after he got claimed from Tampa Bay, just recovering from those shoulder issues. Gurrieri has come up and also been a guy who can, who can come in, deliver just a clean inning, and go out again. And again, that that puts more options on the table for this Blue Jays team. And more options are always good. You you want to be able to have have those guys go in and compete and and try and get something. But a 
Guerrieri in his in his time, he was a starter again as a minor leaguer, and I'm I'm wondering if the Blue Jays are subscribing more to that Cleveland model, just finding arms who are good and maybe coaxing them back into those kind of reliever roles, because like Guerrieri again was thought of as a as a big starting prospect for Tampa Bay was taken off the the 40 man in 2017 and instantly snapped up by the Blue Jays with him and Polino who who Polino also again was a starter but kind of struggled in that role for Houston at the major league level was good at AAA I'm I'm wondering if that's the method that the Blue Jays are going to use to start acquiring more bullpen arms these especially with the problems that the rotation has had in getting length in, in watching guys like Aaron Sanchez depart before the fifth inning and watching guys like Marcus Stroman struggle, watching Sam Gaviglio go out there and do anything. I'm wondering if this, in, this is an attack that the Blue Jays will take to find these guys who can both excel in short bursts, use, use their stuff quickly, get that one inning through, but also, if needed, go out there and deliver a couple of innings if you need length from your relief arms. And getting guys like Guerrieri and and Paulino and Hector Perez, who's still down down in the minors, that will help them in kind of combating this issue that's cropped up, especially with their young stud starters. And it it, it will help Ryan Barucki going forward. It'll help Thomas Pannone going forward. It will help Sean Reed Foley going forward, and maybe help them be a little more bold with their pitches be be a little more aggressive knowing that you know if if you do fail if you do rack up your pitch count you do you're not putting the team in a bind and again this is this is what 2018 is serving for the blue jays to get these guys up to get them in good mentalities develop those healthy habits so that when the cavalry arrives in a year or two you have guys who are unfazed and can go out there and and deliver a clean frame when you need it can deliver like four outs like like a Guerrero could do like Tim Mesa could do like Justin Schaefer can do when he's not just lost in his own mind and and again you you keep cycling through these guys I, I'm not sure if Jake Petrishka is an answer for that Ken Giles, if he's not used as a trade chip, is is proving that he's he's working himself back into form. Again, he had a scoreless series against Cleveland. He looked good, even in non-safe situations, which that's the big mental hurdle for Ken Giles, is him being good in those non-safe situations. But it it's looking looking more like the Blue Jays have their strategy for their bullpen, and it's a matter of finding the arms that fit that strategy and what they can do with them going forward. Going forward, we will continue to provide daily coverage of your Toronto Blue Jays here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to follow on Twitter at Locked On Jays. Follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. I've been relatively silent lately. That will change starting tonight. I will be back on there. And also check out uh, other Locked On Podcast Network shows. Check out the Locked On College shows that are coming up. Locked on Wolverine started up last week, so you can laugh at Michigan. Uh, checked out fantasy football. I I did not have a good fantasy football first week. Just was not facing the right people. 
had to face James Conner and Tyreek Hill at the same time in one league. So that was fun. But check out Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 for all your fantasy football needs and injury reports. Help you win your league. And yeah, just again, thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Locked On Blue Jays. We will be coming back at you tomorrow. Until then, for everyone here at the Locked On Podcast Network, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening. And y'all take care.